for the rentals, we've used general contractors for the last few um, conversion projects that we've done. And before I did the first one, I really went back and forth on this. I said, do I want to are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Welcome back. I'm Sarah Larby. You are listening to Where Should I Invest? Today's guest is a fellow Burr investor. As you guys know, my favorite strategy, Michael Watch, who is a real estate investor and a coach. And Michael and his wife work together and uh, they are each other's sounding board. And I think it's awesome when couples work together. He and I discussed how he got started and then how he moved to his next bird deals and he does a lot of conversions and they're actually very well done. I've seen a couple in person myself. We talk about just the ups and downs, working towards his goals and also about how to successfully add suites into the basement or other parts of a single family property. And we also talk about the importance of comparables when we're refinancing and a lot of things Burr related. So I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. And if you haven't yet, please leave a rating and a review. I would really appreciate it. And it would help people find the podcast a lot easier. The other thing I will say is if you are interested in finding out more about the Burr strategy, go to sarahlarby.com and go to the Burr Freedom Community. I am sharing all of the content that I have, all of my documents, my processes, procedures in the Burr Freedom Community. So I hope that you guys join me and, uh, and enjoy the process. It is actually 24 total calls. We record them so that you can go back and check them out as well. And I hope, uh, I hope you guys enjoy this podcast about the Burr strategy with Michael Watch. Michael, welcome to the show. How are you? Good, Sarah. How are you? Very good. I'm excited to have you on. I mean, we've, uh, we've been connecting for a bit online and uh, back in the day at the right club. And I, you know, obviously you've done some tremendous things. You've definitely accelerated your real estate business and you've, uh, you've built a great wealth of knowledge along, along the, uh, the timeline. So for those that may not know who you are, can you share a little bit of what it is that you do and just like an overview of what your strategy and your portfolio looks like today? Sure. So I am an accountant by trade. I work in internal audit right now. Um, my wife also has a full-time job. So we're just uh, li living the nine to five dream while in investing in real estate, mostly in the Niagara region these days. We live in Hamilton. We used to own a couple of single family homes that we've sold off in the last few years. And um, yeah, so we, we just started with simple rental properties. Our first couple were all single family homes. And since then we've moved into burrs so buying those single family homes but adding one or two legal suites to them to kind of maximize the the use of that property increase cash flow and then try to take out as much of the money as we can from those projects through, through the refi um, so I, I think as we've done that we're, we're we're trying to plan ahead and look at when is the best time for at least one of us to potentially leave our um, full-time jobs to focus on real estate 100 percent so just uh, enjoying the ride right now, enjoying the journey. Very cool. I love that strategy. I think that is the strategy 
of the future now that prices of singles are, are a little bit more expensive than they were five years ago, 10 years ago, adding a secondary suite and creating a, you know, a two income property versus the one definitely helps with the cash flow. Now, when did you actually get started? Like how long ago was it that you got started in real estate investing? And then when is it that you got started in the Burr strategy specifically? Yeah, so we were very slow at the beginning. It, it took us forever to actually kind of get get moving. Um, we bought our first property 12 years ago in Hamilton. Um, and then it took us seven years to actually save for the 20% down payment for the second one. So for, for those investors that, that kind of feel like they're not moving fast enough, we were as slow as you could go. <laughs> um, so, so the second purchase was a townhouse in Hamilton. And then our third one was a few years after that. So and, and, and the third one was truly, I'd consider like the first good purchase where the numbers made sense. And we were kind of working with the right agent at that time. It had a separate entrance to the basement. So we know that, that it had potential for the future. And so it wasn't really until about a year and a half ago that we did our first conversion um, that was in Welland. We, we, we bought an old single family home for just over 300,000, got a general contractor, put in a second suite, did some work upstairs. And that's when, like, when we saw the power of this Burr strategy, we were able to um, get back pretty much all of our rental costs and a little bit of our initial down payment and closing. And the cash flow was so much stronger than what we've ever seen on our pr previous purchases. So that's when we said, we got to keep on doing this. And, and, and the market has definitely shifted, especially in the cities that we're buying. It's a lot harder to find these properties at the right prices and the and the rentals have gotten a little bit pricier, but it, it's a strategy that I love. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great strategy. And you mentioned working with the right realtor. I mean, that goes to show like your team is, you know, super important because if you had the right team when you were first starting with your first or second one, you probably wouldn't have had to save for your second one. You likely had equity in that first one you could have deployed and, and invested rather than having saved for that. So good mortgage broker on your team uh, and, and that annual strategy call where you're like reanalyzing what you've got and, and looking at your goals is going to be important. So I'm glad that you're there. So you've been doing this for really actively, let's just say, you know, a year and a half. Are you able to share like maybe a deal that you've done, like purchase price, the rental costs roughly. And, and like, obviously numbers change all the time, you know, especially with the pandemic, you know, pricing of supplies has dramatically increased as well. But just in general, are you able to just give us some, some averages, purchase price, rental costs, holding costs after repair value and, and what that looked like? Sure. Um, so for the one that we purchased um, about a year ago, this was a single family home in, in Welland, Ontario. Um, just a 60 year old brick bungalow with, uh, it had a back entrance in this case. Um, we bought it for 322,000. Our rentals were, uh, rental and holding costs were 125. And then for the, for the reappraisal, I put a package together for the appraiser. We were kind of asking for 500 or, or 510. We ended up reappraising at 485 just because the, there weren't many comps in that city at that time, no one's selling these nice legal duplexes, right? So it's hard to come up with a number. So with, with those numbers, we ended up leaving about 65,000 in the property. And we've never actually done anything close to a perfect burr. Every property that we've done the rentals on, we're always leaving a bit of money in the property, which I, I'm totally fine with. When my, my goal, my, my, um, target is to have as high of a cash flow as possible with every one of these 
long-term buy and hold. So if it means that we end up leaving that 20% down payment in, maybe a little bit extra, we're okay with that. So th those are the numbers on that one. It's um, in, in, in well in those same properties are now going like the, the unrenovated grandma special duplexes, as sorry, um, bungalows, they're, they're now going for 400, 420, easily. So it's a lot harder to, to buy right. And, and, and there still isn't that many comps. Um, if we can only reappraise that 500 or, or in the low fives, it really makes your numbers tight, right? And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, I just want to take a moment and interrupt the podcast to introduce you to my mortgage broker, Dahlia Barsoom, and her team at Streetwise Mortgages. Because everything around us is changing, the world as we know it is not going to be the same. COVID-19, the economic crisis is a time of uncertainty for many of us. And the lending and real estate landscape, they're changing quite rapidly day by day. Today's financing and investment decisions are going to be different than the ones that we made yesterday. Dahlia and her team are going to be able to help us maneuver through all of this. They're property investors themselves, so they've worked with thousands of real estate investors across Ontario, and they have their pulse and their finger on what's happening around us in real time from a real estate financing and investments point of view. Her team of advisors are committed to helping us keep informed and get that up-to-date information. And they're also going to be able to help us navigate through this crisis to also mitigate and minimize any financial distress during this whole transition, and also help us emerge out of this in a strong financial position so that we can leverage ourselves for some great opportunities that are going to be coming to us. They've been able to help many investors in times like this by really planning out your plan for the good, but also for the bad, because these circumstances that are happening are going to be very individual for all of us. And they're going to help navigate three key parts financial stability, financial agility, and opportunity, and help you manage through those three things. When it comes to stability, how can you enhance your reserves and your liquidity to weather the storm? You're going to have a different plan, so it's important to get that individualized plan. How can you utilize mortgage payment deferrals? Should you? Should you not? Why or why not? Any debt restructuring opportunities, those are all things that Dahlia and her team can help you work with. Now, when it comes to financial agility, there's some things that you might want to talk about are how do you make some improvements to your monthly budget so that you can increase your cash flow? Are there any financing tools that you can use to cover some short-term cash flow deficits? When it comes to opportunity, there's going to be some great opportunity that's going to come out of this. How can you set yourself up? for success. So her and her team are going to be able to help you maneuver through these things and create a plan, not only for the good times, but also in times like this, so that you can handle the storm and come out ahead. Feel free to reach out to Dahlia and her team at info at streetwisemortgages.com or go to her website, streetwisemortgages.com. And now back to the show. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that is a good point because here's here's the issue when when we're doing burrs, right? I mean, everybody, and especially when we're doing uh, duplex conversions, because we are keeping them, you know, there is essentially no sales that they can utilize within, you know, that short amount of time 
to see, say, oh, you know what, this property, this duplex sold for 650, that resets the comparables. But because everyone's holding on to them, the refinances from the Burr strategy don't actually get posted anywhere. So appraisers will like maybe look at something that's like a year and a half ago, two years ago, or something that's not quite the same, and then try to like figure out what it is from there. And I, and I think that like that is a risk for sure. Um, you know, but as soon as somebody does sell, uh, you know, at, at that new value, it's going to be a good time even to go back and try to refinance again, because you can refinance again, um, that property and use that higher number as a comparable, but, but why would we sell, right? There's no reason to sell a great cash flowing property. And even if you have some money left in the deal, and that's, I think that's, the, that's going to be a big piece, uh, for, especially for the Ontario market. You're not always going to have the perfect burr. And if you wait for that perfect burr, I mean, chances are, especially in a market where there's multiple offers on anything that's decent, it, you know, it's going to be really tough and you might not do anything for a long time. So you look at the property that you bought, Michael, and you bought it at a certain price. And if you were to buy it again, you'd be looking at 50, 60, 70, 80K more for that similar type of property. So, so that still created a lift, but you know, it, it is important that you mention that because a lot of people are keeping them and it's not really showing what the comparables are truly. And you hope that your, your appraiser is going to be, you know, uh, understanding of that, but not all of them are created equal. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I, I'm not looking for a home run deal every time. I'm looking for singles, doubles, and you truly never know when those singles and doubles are gonna turn into the the triples and the home runs. Because if I can do like a perfect bird, but it takes me two years and I get almost all of my money out on that second refi yeah. two years, two and a half years later, I'm still happy with that because then I have all of that initial capital to reinvest at a future time. I'm not going to be buying multiple properties all at once anyway. So I'm in this for the long term. And, and as long as it's a good property in a nice neighborhood, that's going to attract solid tenants. And I know what my rents are. Obviously I'm going to try to maximize that refi with appraiser. Hopefully they're having a good day that day when they come to my property <laughs> or I can like sweet talk them, whatever it is. But um, there are just so many moving parts that you can't control. What you can control is, is what you buy it at and, and just making sure that it's in a good area. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and you may be able to get that perfect burn. It might just take two years, right? It might take another refi uh, to do. And that's okay. Cause I'll tell you like what, you know, when I first started, I mean, I saved for that first one and a half. And then after that, I realized that I could use equity and, you know, and essentially at some point you do this enough and you don't have any of your own actual money left in that deal. So maybe your 20% is money that you've refinanced that the bank is loaning at a, you know, awesome price that you're able to calculate into your cash flow numbers. So really ultimately like your, you know, your money that you have left, you know, quote unquote in a deal is probably not your money fully at the, you know, after you do a few of these and, uh, and essentially, when you look at like having that equity borrowed from another property and your cash flow, your your return on your investment could actually be infinity. Um, you know, with that said. Yeah, yeah. After after some time in the market as an investor, you are playing with the bank's money. Yeah. So, what about um, you know just the the whole process as you've done a few of these now? Are there things that you know, looking back when you first started, you might want to give some insights or, or advice to somebody that's doing this for the first time. Like what are some key points of maybe mistakes that you made or things that you've learned along the way that you could share? 
Um, so de definitely um, working with the right individuals, like the power team, as I call it. When we, um, for the first two properties, we were working with both a real estate agent and a mortgage broker that, that were very nice people, but they just didn't specialize in investment properties and working with investors. When I started um, for the third property that we bought with an agent that we were kind of introduced to in a network and, and he only worked with, with investors, that's the first time I was actually called a, a real estate investor. So that was kind of a mind shift for me. And, and then he introduced me to his, his contractors, his home inspector, like all of that other power team. I actually use your, your mortgage broker. That was an, an email that I sent you a while ago. You recommended her and she's been awesome for us in terms of planning things out right at the beginning from property zero or one or two. And, and so we ended up kind of reassessing what we held at that time and we ended up selling all those properties so definitely having the right people around you um recently as i've started working with a coach and a mentor i've realized how much having that person guide me and and be alongside of me has helped me move forward so much faster so even though we had experience and we've held properties for 10 years like i i truly don't know what i don't know so having someone that's walked in that path already that can shorten my my learning curve that's been huge. So for any newer investor, if they have an opportunity to not spend money, but it's truly investing money in somebody, even if it's a few coaching calls, doesn't have to be anything like formal and, and for thousands of dollars, something small where you can just ask the questions that are serving as roadblocks for you. I, I think that goes a long way. I've really like moved into that whole personal development space, like reading way more books. I never used to read books earlier. And I feel like I, it, the mindset shift that reading books and, 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 and then talking with other investors has allowed for me, that's been really big because whenever a challenge comes up, I know that there's people I can re reach out to or I've kind of conditioned my mind to know that this is only temporary. I'm going to be able to get through this roadblock or this challenge if I just ask enough people what they've done or, or what they would do. So those are a couple of things that are top of mind for any newer investors. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey guys, I just want to take a quick moment here and pause the podcast to introduce you to one of my favorite contractors, John from Blackjack Contracting Inc. And he has been serving the Niagara, Hamilton and Brantford areas for the past three years and has become the area's legal basement suite renovation specialist. He works with many investors that I know and some newer investors, some more experienced investors, and he converts single family homes into multiple units, as well as my favorite favorite strategy, the Burr strategy. So he's well-versed in those as well to make sure that we can achieve the maximum value of the property and the maximum ARV. He has also completed over 100 units from Brantford to Niagara Falls and everywhere in between as well. They do everything from permitting to the design to the final cleaning before listing our rentals for rent or for sale. And he's also a fully licensed electrical contractor. He's certified with ESA and he will take jobs of all sizes. So no job is too big. He's done a complete guts really from the ground up. So super impressed with his work and what he's been doing for fellow investors that I know as well. So if you wanted to reach out, his website is blackjack contractinginc.ca and you can ask him whatever questions you have. You can also reach out to him Instagram, which is at blackjackcontractinginc. And like he says, 
He knows that investing feels like the biggest gamble of our lives. So when you have blackjack on your side, the house always wins. I will also add that there is currently a ban as of April 4th on new permits. So he will still actively work to the law's extent and actively work with investors to get projects planned out for when the ban is lifted. So that way you're not necessarily waiting and waiting and waiting. So guys, 100%, I recommend blackjack contracting. I will say that finding the right contractor is sometimes a hassle and getting a good one that works with investors that understands the numbers is going to be critical in our success, especially when doing the Burr strategy. And now back to the show. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. It's uh, those are great key points. Now you're, you mentioned you're still working full-time, your wife's still working full-time. Um, how are you managing a, the renos and then B, you know, the, the tenants, are, are you guys uh, hands-on with that or are you delegating it, hiring it out? How is that all working? For the renos, we've used general contractors for the last few um, conversion projects that we've done. And before I did the first one, I really went back and forth on this. I said, do I want to be the person that's ordering the materials, that's coordinating trades, that's there when the city comes and inspects at the different phases of the rental. And then I really decided like, I'd rather pay the extra 10, 15, 20,000, whatever it is per project, just to have a general contractor that I trust. And, and most of my GCs are actually pretty good on social media. So I know what's going on when I'm at home, when I'm on Facebook or on Instagram, I can track what it, the progress of the rental. So, so that's really taken a huge load off of us. We still run our numbers very conservatively, but we know that, that, that based on what we're paying for the property, we can afford having a GC do the work for us. If it lets me focus on family, on my nine to five job, and, and just thinking like, how can I build this business? What kind of like most, most um, it, like the activities that make sense for me to do, I want to have as much time and clarity in, in, in my mind for those. And um, also on the property management front, I still manage most of my units. We're at, um, we're going to be at 12 units when we finish our current rentals in a couple of months. So everything other than a triplex, I self-manage um, mostly through just text messages. If there's an issue and, and, and the HVAC contractor, the plumber, the electrician needs to go, I send those guys. I have a couple of handymen, which are always hard to, find and keep, but I feel like I, I have a couple of good people right now on the roster that I can just delegate to and send to the properties. We are starting to dabble with a property manager for the one property. And, and that was a nice experience. We finished the rental recently and um, we kind of onboarded them, made sure that we were on the same page, that they knew what to expect from us and, and vice versa. And it was nice to not have to worry about filling those three units or to get any texts because there's some tweaks or adjustments that, that, that always need to happen when new tenants move in. So we, we've tried to delegate those two things to let us live life on our terms as much as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you weigh the balance, like you said, between time and money, time and money, and then, and then how much time you want to be doing. Because I mean, I've done both as well, like where I was GCing it and I've done it where I was at the cottage and I had a contractor like essentially like do everything from pretty much start to finish with me being there very very little um, and I'll tell you one takes a lot less time than the other one costs more money than the other so you got to and, and same thing with property management right uh, as well so okay so that's cool um, and then what about like screening tenants like do you do much of that or now is your property manager company going to be doing that? 
I, I always enjoy that part of it. Like I'm a, I'm a control free coming from the accounting background. And, and I, I just love like having my hand and my pulse on a lot of things that go on with my properties or with the whole transaction. So um, going forward, if we use a property manager, um, we would like them to do that, but to be, be in a close touch with us on here's the kind of top two or three that we're seeing. Well, well, first of all, here's the amount of activity that we're seeing coming through the property. Like, let us know if you want to change the rent amount, maybe. Are you okay with, with a different moving date? Because people are asking like a little bit further out. Like we're, we're in constant contact. At least we were on the last transaction. So I, I'm really trying to delegate it, but still like keep close enough for the first few properties just to make sure that they understand like the level of control that I'm comfortable with. Once I see that they're placing good tenants a couple of times for a couple of units and they're all paying and there's no issues, I might back off a bit more from that because it is a lot of work when you, you think that you're done with a reno and the property stabilized, but then the whole tenant placement process starts, right? And if you're doing all that on your own, it, it could be a lot of driving. It could be a lot of back and forths. Sometimes leads don't show up when they stay an hour before the meeting that they will be there. So it's, it's an interesting thing the, the, the further I can get from it, the, the happier I am. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it, it is fun in the beginning. Like, you know, I enjoy doing it as well. And I enjoy doing certain parts, but the driving back and forth, I usually will, will find somebody to do it, do that piece for me. And, you know, I've also trained people on my tenant screening course to like, just essentially do it from start to finish, which now they're starting to do. And I'm fine with paying for that. Sometimes it's just like, if you, you know, if you want to focus on other things you know, and you've done it many, many times and you, you know, you know, the person that's doing it is also going to do a, a, you know, a good job, you know, at some point, even though I enjoy doing it, this kind of the stuff I'm starting to also delegate out as well. So it sounds like you, uh, you're doing that too. Now, I know some investors are, you know, some of them renovating the top unit, getting the tenant in and then continuing with the basement. Are you waiting for everything to be done and, and essentially fill them in at the same time? Or are you doing one unit, filling it uh, to get some of that uh, money and then finishing the other part? I, I think either strategy works. We haven't rented out an upper unit before, like first. We've always just waited for the whole property to, to be done and to get the actual occupancy um, allowance from the city. And, and on the last project, it was a three unit conversion. So, so th there was even more going on. And, and it, some of the thinking behind it is with the, with the lender that we've worked with, we have most of our mortgages with Scotia, they use market rents anyways, they don't actually need leases. So it's, it's kind of worked well for us where they've allowed the property to be vacant when they've done some of the reappraisal. So it just looks a lot better and it's easier to coordinate. It's just me and the appraiser. If, if you can time it that way, right? Like you mm -hmm. don't want to wait forever. You don't want to have a two month gap either, but on the last few, I've kind of had my ads just starting to go up as we were reappraising. So I, I'm okay losing a potential month of rent in each unit. If the reappraisal gets me like 10 extra thousand or 15 extra thousand in my pocket at that time, just because the appraiser can truly see like these are nice units, everything's renovated. We usually do like a full at least cosmetic reno in the upper unit as well. I don't want to try to save a few bucks, just have to go back a few years later and I want to have mm -hmm. maximum rents. So yeah, we, we, we haven't done the staggered approach. We might in the future, if all we need is a laundry room and a separate hydro panel upstairs, and that takes a couple of weeks, we, we might do that if everything else is turnkey. 
what we've been buying hasn't been turnkey upstairs. It, it always needs work. So it just worked better for us to kind of keep everything really like black and white and just start letting tenants in when everything's done. Okay. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. Now, now are you doing this with your wife or like by yourselves or are you bringing in JVs to uh, help you with these projects? Um, so far we have one JV, everything else we've uh, done on our own. And, and the JV topic is really interesting because a lot of investors are, 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 are first of all, talking about it on social media and just weighing the pros and cons, right? I, I think the thinking used to be that when you get to like a couple of mortgages on your own and the bank says no, then you automatically go to JVs. I, I don't know if that's necessarily right for everybody. Um, I've When I move further into JVs, I, I, I'd rather do more JVs with less partners. I definitely want to be sure that it's individuals that I like it's a marriage right it, it's at mm -hmm. least a five-year deal so I want to make sure that I'm doing it with the right people where there's total trust and if you like go over on the rental a little bit or or you can't find tenants right away that you don't have this other partner panicking right because it, it's 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 only a matter of time before something doesn't go according to plan right and you just want to have somebody that's reasonable and on the same level so I, I feel like it is something that we're going to move further into. We haven't really had the need. The, the one JV that I've done so far was a really like strategic one because we're both learning a lot from each other. Even though our, 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 our roles are very clear, one is active, one is, um, one is the passive one. Um, we are still just sharing so many ideas. It's like a mastermind whenever we get together. So, so there's a lot of synergies, but um, what we've done actually, instead of additional JVs, we've done a little bit of private borrowing from family and friends to kind of help us bankroll some of the rentals because we've had like two rentals going on at once. So that's, that's a decent amount of 20% down payment money. And then the rentals are all like at, le at least a hundred thousand, maybe a little bit more. It's a lot of money to be out until the refis actually happen. Right. So um, for, for us, based on our goals, which is like getting to a certain cash flow number, doing things mostly on our own with a sprinkle of the right JV partners, that's worked for our strategy. I know other investors that are absolutely killing it with a lot of JVs, all with different partners, and that works great for them, right? So I, I think, especially a newer investor that's seeing on social media, like JVs, JVs, you just need to like listen to your gut and go with what works best for you. Yeah, absolutely. That's really well said. And you mentioned goals and you mentioned lifestyle. Like, you know, have you seen some of the things, your life, your lifestyle change and evolve as you've been investing? Like, what are some of the things that you might have implemented that maybe what 10 years ago or five years ago you weren't able to do? Like we, we've always done a couple of vacations a year. It's, it's kind of changed with, with COVID. But I, I think one of the biggest changes has been in my mind. I now have this, this like fixed mindset that I'm not going to be stuck in this nine to five forever. And that's an amazing feeling to have. It's like I, I've discovered this, this like secret investing strategy that even though I'm, I'm engrossed in this every single day, so it feels like everyone's doing it, but actually very little people are, are doing real estate investing or, or like running their own businesses. So just having that like idea, knowing that I'm not going to have to work for somebody all my life, but I, that I'm literally maybe one year or two year away from having total freedom every single day, knowing that I do, that's been a huge benefit. Um, 
yeah, so like there's probably so many other positive things that I can't think of now, but like it's 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 truly like given us the freedom to 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 know that it's only a matter of time before we're gonna break free and and spend every single day the way that we want to. Very cool. And you mentioned like one of you at some point will leave. Do you think it will be you first or her first? I feel like we're having this conversation every every week now. <laughs> As things are kind of getting like busier, busier, and we have more potential partners approaching us, people that either might want a JV um, or that might want to lend us money or, or maybe, maybe even bigger purchases, which requires more time and more coordination. So it's, it's only a matter of time. I think it might be me just because I've been so involved in this. I've kind of used my wife as a sounding board on all of the key decisions. And it's, it's great to have a partner because she has a very busy full-time job on, on her own, but it's great to have somebody that isn't in this like all the time, like I am, that I can just kind of explain a question or scenario at a high level and have her say, yeah, yay or nay sounds good. It's like, she, she's never seen any of these properties and it's probably a good idea because <laughs> we're not renovating all we like we are renovating to rent, even though we do do nice rentals, it's not at a level that maybe we would expect in our home, right? You're not going to get all that money back. So it doesn't make sense. But I, I feel like I've used her like in, in a really good way just to get perspective and to get her side of things on many key decisions. Very cool. Now, were you both like into real estate at the same time or did one of you start with this idea and had to convince the other? Like, how did that all play out? I, I probably owe it all to her. She actually owned um the these like two pretty crappy townhouses in Hamilton, if, if I have to say, when we first met. And she ended up selling one of them right after we met and we moved into the other one. That was our first like principal residence together. We kind of renovated and, and then we sold that one off too because they weren't in the best area. So after we had like, she had had some of that experience. Then when we bought our first one, I, I, I just kind of went along with it. But, but I do owe the whole idea of investing in a rental property, just have tenants pay off your mortgage. It might take 25 or 30 years. Like that was um, hers, hers from the beginning. Since then, I've kind of passed her a little bit on the amount of time that I spend <laughs> in real estate investing, but it works really well. Like both of us, it, it's important to have both people if there's spouses um, on the same page and, and align with the strategy that you're doing. Cause there are nights and there are days where I need to be away from the family because I need to take care of something, a rental or a tenant issue or anything like that. Or there's a deal that I'm looking at. So it isn't like you need to have the right balance where the other person can support and, and can hold up things on the home front. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's great to have, you know, you guys working as a team that way. So with 12 units, you know, you mentioned you've got to step out here and there and, you know, obviously real estate is amazing. I mean, I retired from it. You're on your way there. It sounds like as well fairly soon, but you know, there's realistic parts to it, right? So like, can we just take a, a typical, maybe a typical week and it's not so much the time spent managing the properties, but what is it like that you do time-wise to, to get to 12 units, right? So like, if you look back, even like you know, six months ago, a year ago, like, you know, how long did you spend researching? How long did you spend, do you spend reading? How many, you know, deals do you make? Like, like just the, the, like the true stuff that, that, you know, is not necessarily on Instagram, but you know, like the time that, that you need to devote to getting to your goals is not, 
unaccounted for. Like there's definitely, you know, a lot of time that we put in. So what does that look like for you? Like if you even just go back like a year, like what did you do to get here today? Mm -hmm. um, and, and from a, a time and activity perspective. I, I wish I had kept a log of all the, all the hours. <laughs> um, it, but it, it's a really good point that you raised because I, I think if you just look on social media and a lot of investors are, are sharing their wins but they're not always sharing like all the work that goes in behind the scenes, not only to educate ourselves, but the sacrifices that we're making to make sure that we are buying the right properties, that we are connecting with the right people. Like that's a lot of work, right? And it was happening in person before. Now it's happening more online, but um, it's, it's hard to say how many hours per week because like first and foremost, I still have the nine to five. So now I'm working from home, which, which makes it a lot easier. I don't have to commute back and forth. And then there's also family. Like I, I get to pick up the kids and drop them off now, which is really nice. You need to like, like spend time with your significant other. You want to do stuff on the weekends, but outside of those core hours, like I try to fill as much of my brain and, and be exposed to what's happening in real estate investing like everywhere in all the cities. Like I, I feel like I have a good handle on kind of all of the investors that exist in our community because th that's what it is. There's only probably a couple of hundred of us. And after a while, everybody knows each other. So um, I spend like any day. So every single day, if I, if I push closer to my goals, even if it's half hour or an hour of work, I feel like I've had a good day. Like I don't, I don't think there's any days where I do nothing related to real estate investing or to push a relationship or look for deals or to do anything on that front forward, right? So any week could be like 10 to 20 hours. Let's say it fluctuates. When we're in the middle of a rental and I'm coordinating things, I know that I need to drop into that property maybe every couple of days or, or once a week. When there's a tur turnover, that takes a bit more coordination when you're having like a handyman paint the walls and do any other small things. When I'm looking for a deal, like we're usually getting financing at the front end, knowing that we're going to refi in four to six months afterwards. That takes quite a bit of work, making sure that your mortgage broker has all the info and the money's in the right places. So it, it really ebbs and flows. But I think um, like the majority of my time I've truly spent on just like building the brand, building the relationships, letting people know who I am, and also just attracting good people towards me. So you you cannot put a value on that. Like that is worth so much in this. Um, they can't flow you if they don't know you is, is the thing I've heard before. But but it's also like sharing that like good, good, good kind of positive brand out there with people so that they know what you stand for. Because when it comes time to doing bigger deals in the, in the future, I know that that's going to, that's worth so much, right? I've had one JV partner recently that reached out and, and he basically started the conversation saying like, I've gone through your Instagram. I've gone through your Facebook. I saw what you do on LinkedIn. Like, I feel like I know so much about you. So all of those hours, like that's what they're going into. It, it, it's about like growing and building out there so that not only are, are you building what you want in terms of the assets, but you are building like almost a, a brand out there so that, so that people understand you. So I, a newer investor might have to spend more time every single week educating themselves and, and connecting with the right people and just knowing who are the good brokers in this industry that everyone's using. There's probably five of them. Like who are the good real estate agents in Brantford or in Hamilton 
or in the Niagara region that many of these successful investors are using, I want to connect with those guys. So that takes more time at the beginning. Once you have that system, once you find a good contractor, you don't need to maybe get three or five quotes every time, which also takes a long time, right? You just go to the same guy and you know he's going to give you a reasonable price. So I, I've done a lot of work on the front end and now it's just kind of cultivating and just keeping all those conversations going. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a tight knit group, group. Like you said, like there might only be five brokers that really work with investors. There might really only be 10 realtors that like we all go to, like, you know, when you look at all the investors out in Ontario or Southern Ontario, there, there's probably like not as many as, as people think it's, it's going to be those people that we, we gravitate towards just because they they have that experience and they're able to help propel us to, to those goals and, and know what the strategy is and that kind of stuff. So that, that is cool that you mentioned that. Um, so what is like, what is next for you? Like, what do you, I mean, obviously leaving your, your day job and what, and whatnot, but are, do you think you're going to keep doing the conversion, the birth strategy, or are you going to switch to something else? Or like, what's your take on that? Like, you know, looking forward. I feel like every day is a battle against shiny penny syndrome. <laughs> it's, um, when you hear of an investor, like killing it with a cottage or a short-term rental, or like all of these people are moving from the smaller properties to the apartment buildings. Like they just got their first six or their 10 unit. It's so hard to kind of keep focused, but I'm really trying to stick to that two to four unit property. Um, we haven't bought anything that's already had existing units. It's always been adding additional units. And I feel like I have a pretty good system from the finding the deal to the, all the way to, to the refi and just knowing how every step works and, and roughly how the numbers are going to turn out. And it's worked well for us. If we could do one or two of those ourselves, I'll, I'll be very happy before I kind of lose that mortgage financing ability in the future. Um, if we have a couple of JV partners that come online and they are somebody that we could see ourselves growing with, I think focusing on those kind of couple of unit properties would be great. And then I, I've recently started having conversations with um, a few like colleagues and a few friends that are interested in the larger purchases, right? They have um, access to a bit more capital. So if we can start looking in that six or 12 unit um, space where it seems like everybody is looking these days, so it's not that easy, but that might be like the kind of natural pr progression as we keep on going. But I have, I, I don't have any issues with just keep on going with what's working. Why, why break it if it's working, right? I could be maybe moving a little bit faster if I was doing some flips or if I was taking on more JVs, like with every person that's shown any interest, if I was more aggressive with them, but I'm just going at my own pace and I, and I feel pretty good with it. I'm not taking on any more risk and I, I have a pretty good balance of work, family and real estate right now. And that's a huge important part because sometimes you'll see people that like are like, I want 500 units, I want 300 units, but like, you know, but like, why? Like, is it bragging rights or is it going to change your life that much? And I'm glad that you mentioned that because I, I mean, I think the same. I don't, I don't need like 500 units. I just want to have a really awesome life and lifestyle, right? And then so like, at you know, at some point, when when is enough enough, right? And uh, once you get to your goals, because it, it can be so real estate can be one of those things that it's just like an addiction in a sense. Right. And you just keep going and going and going. And, and I think, you know, enjoying the journey, but like remembering why you're doing this in the first place, I think is going to be important because, 
you know, do you want to keep buying and buying and buying and, you know, like creating a whole, you know, full-time job in 20 years with multiple, multiple hundreds of properties, you know, or would you want to be able to like have some really awesome income and enjoy the time with your family, enjoy the, you know, the traveling, enjoy the freedom, you know? So like, to me, that is more attractive than having hundreds and hundreds of properties. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I want to be the investor that's able to achieve all of my goals on the family front and the investing front with the least number of units, <laughs> cool. right? Because yeah. the more units that you have, like you stop to manage the property manager, there's always going to be things that come up. So if I can just make my life as simple and as efficient as possible and just dedicate my time to the things that I truly want to be doing, like I, I'm really hustling right now, every single day, every week, because I'm in that growth phase. I'm still building. I'm still working on those goals. Once I reach them, I just want to be a lazy couch potato. I want to be <laughs> video games. I just want to hang out with the, with the kids and the family outside and just travel, right? So I don't need a hundred units. I might get there one day, but right now I'm truly focused on that next goal, which is allowing like more of that time freedom to happen for one of us. Amazing. That's a great mindset to have. I mean, I, I can keep asking questions because it's so interesting that, you know, your insights, but the next part of the podcast is our lightning round. So I'm going to ask you a series of five questions. You're going to give me the first answer that comes to mind. Are you ready? Yes. This week's lightning round is brought to you by usproperties.ca. Are you looking to invest in turnkey US real estate that provides exceptional cash flow and appreciation? If so, reach out to James at james at usproperties.ca or visit the company website, usproperties.ca for more information. All right, question number one, what is your favorite real estate investing book ever? Uh, it has to be Rich Dad, Poor Dad by, by Robert Kiyosaki. Um, when, when I read that book, like I wasn't a big reader at that time and I had heard about the name so many times, but I, I just never got around to it. And it's too bad I didn't read it earlier. I bought it for at least five like newer investors. I don't know if any of them have actually read it, but it's, it's my go-to book when anybody reaches out and they ask me like, what are some of the first things that I should be doing? Yeah, absolutely. Great book. And I mean, there's lots of other great books that he's written as well that, that go deeper even into the subject. So number two, I don't know if you listen to podcasts, but if you do, do you have a favorite podcast? It doesn't have to be real estate related. It could be anything. So I, I have to give credit to the top three that, that really like had the biggest impact on us. Honestly, it was your Sarah. When I started listening to you about a year and a half, two years ago, it, it, it was like um, just the level of detail that you got get into with your guests and the ability to kind of ask the questions that the listeners actually hoping that you ask. That, that, that was just awesome. Awesome. <laughs> so <thanks. laughs> definitely need to give you credit. Also, the, the two other ones are Andrew Hines. I've really enjoyed his mm -hmm. and, the, and, and the clarity and the detail that, that he gets into. And then um, Your Life, Your Terms by, by the Rockstar guys. That was another good one. Um, so the, those three, they all kind of like I spent so many hours in the car and, and they just filled my head with so much good information when I was truly kind of getting started in investing the right way. Very cool. Awesome. Number three, aside from working or doing anything real estate related, what do you do, do for fun? Lazy stuff, um, video games, get, getting outside, camping, um, like playing sports with the kids, with the family, watching sports. I kind of miss that sports has kind of not been on TV that much lately because I, I, I always like in, in, enjoy that, just re relaxing. 
Um, I, I feel like we're, all of us are just hustling and spending so much time on our businesses and trying to grow, trying to educate ourselves. We also definitely need to find time to just cut back, relax, and to like disconnect from everything that we're doing on a daily basis. Yeah, absolutely. How old are your kids? Uh, 10 and 11. Are they, are they interested or are showing some interest in what you're doing from a real estate perspective yet? Yeah, they are. They are. They, they hear me talking to my wife uh, so much about like all of the other investors and the strategies that names like Matt McKeever, Austin Ye, like podcasts, like they, they almost mock me because I make so many references in our everyday lives to real estate that, that they're like, oh, another real estate example. But it's funny. <laughs> like, I think they really enjoy it. And I wouldn't be surprised if I'm not going to force them, but if I pave the way for them to kind of have the same mindset of buying good assets that put money in your bank account every day and making the money work for you, that they don't go for the typical corporate jobs that they spent 30 years in, but they maybe continue working in the business that me and my wife are, are working on creating. Very cool. That's awesome. I love that. Number four, if you lost all of your assets and all of your net worth tomorrow, how would you start again? I think with the knowledge that I have and the expertise that I've gathered, um, I would probably try to find other people that with money that I could partner with, that I could bring value to in terms of finding real estate. I, I think I would also try to find a coach or, I, I, or, or a mentor that I don't necessarily need to pay them for, but there's other things that I could do in exchange that would help them, like bring value to their lives where if it's a win-win, that would kind of help propel me further as well without having to spend money, right? And, um, and, and the last thing I think, as I've started working with my coach, I've really enjoyed the kind of ways, that w which I'm sure that you do the same with your students and the value that, that he brings to me and the way that he kind of makes me tick. I, I could also see myself getting into coaching in the future if I needed money, um, because I just love sharing. I love educating, especially newer investors. All right. Very cool. And last question, number five, if somebody has $50,000 and they want to get started, how would you recommend they spend that money? Um, it's the advice I've given to a couple of younger people or, or just people that don't own properties. It's um, definitely some form of house hacking. If they are able to, and they're in a position in their life where they can move into that property, you can buy a single family home or a duplex and only put 5% down. You can get a three unit or a four unit and I think it's only 10% down. So I, I wouldn't get into like a big rental because then you, you might end up putting 20% down anyways. But in, in some markets, you could spend like 30, 40,000 as a down payment, get into a property, live in one of the units and basically live for free and then slowly renovate the other units. And then before you know it, you spend some time in the market you can do a refi and, and then use that money to kind of keep on growing. So that's the advice I've given to a couple of, of other investors that have had limited capital. That's excellent advice, 100%, right? And especially, especially if you're going to be house hacking and, and you're able to do it, that's, that is a great way to get started with that money. So thank you so much. Michael, where can my listeners reach out and find out more information about you? Uh, best place is probably Instagram. That's where I uh, share most of my journey and the day-to-day -day and like the behind the scenes things that we're doing, which is at Watch Properties. So W-A-C-H Properties. 
Um, and then um, on my Facebook profile, just Michael Watch, Michael without the E. I'd say those are the two best uh, places. If you go to my Instagram, all of my contact info is on there. Very cool. And I always ask this at the end, any final last words of advice? Go at your own pace. Don't follow what everyone else is doing on social media. It's only going to cause stress and anxiety. Do what feels right for you. If it's going to take you longer to buy that first property or that second or that third one, or you are paying a bit more money than other people are, just do, do, do what your gut is telling you. As long as you're following the right fundamentals and you're surrounding yourselves with, with the good people in this network, in this industry, you are going to be so far ahead of the majority of the general public. That's my advice. Very cool. Michael, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing some amazing insights. No problem. Thanks for having me on, Sarah. Appreciate it. Hey guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons and at the time they all seemed very valid. But as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away and eventually only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that. And the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked. And also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And, you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larvey. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.